The CC Way with Scott McGee, episode 39, with guest Jen Wiedersham. There was a blind girl who hated herself just because she was blind. She hated everyone except her loving boyfriend, who was always there for her. Her boyfriend asked her, do you want to marry me? But she replied, only when I can see the world will I marry you. Hmm. One day, someone donated a pair of eyes to her, and after a long operation, she could see everything, including her boyfriend. Her boyfriend asked her, now that you can see the world, will you marry me? The girl was shocked when she saw that her boyfriend was blind too and refused to marry him. Her boyfriend walked away in tears and sometime later wrote a letter to her saying, just take care of my eyes, dear. This is the Sisu Way, a show about grit, character, gratitude, service, and what it means to choose strength. I'm Scott McGee, a mindful warrior on a path of gratitude and service who loves to connect with unconquerable souls. Now that short story uh, about the blind girl shows us how our brain changes when the status changes or when our perspective changes. Only few people remember what life was like before those moments and who always uh, were there for them even in the most painful situations. Life is a gift. So today, before you think of saying an unkind word, think of someone who can't speak. Before you complain about the taste of your food, think of someone who has nothing to eat. Before you complain about your husband or wife, think of someone who is crying out for a companion. Today, before you complain about life, think of someone who has lost someone. Before you complain about your children, think of someone who desires children but has not been able to produce any. Before you argue about your dirty house, someone didn't clean or sweep, think of people who are living in the streets. Before whining about the distance you drive, think of someone who walks the same distance on their feet. And when you're tired and complain about your job, think of the unemployed, the disabled, and those who wished they had your job. But before you think of pointing the finger or condemning another, remember that not one of us are without sin. And when depressing thoughts seem to get you down, put a smile on your face and be grateful for the fact that you're alive and still around. Life is a gift. Enjoy it, celebrate it, and fulfill it with purpose and appreciation. Now, my my guest here, uh, my friend and guest, is Jen Wiedersrum. And if you don't know, she was born in Downers Grove, Illinois, to Lynn and Norm Wiedersrum. And she grew up taking part in gymnastics, diving, and became a Division I hammer thrower at the University of Kansas. She moved to L.A. armed with the awareness of how powerful it could be to help others take responsibility for their own health and well-being. Her resume will tell you that she is a celebrity fitness trainer, model, coach on the NBC show The Biggest Loser, former American Gladiator, best-selling author of the book Diet Right for Your Personality Type, entrepreneur, uh, fitness director for Shape Magazine. But as we know, sometimes everything that can be counted does not necessarily count, and everything that counts cannot necessarily be counted. And if there's anything in her bio that stands out and shows that vulnerability is strength, is that Jen was rated the nation's most authentic trainer. To me, she's a girl from Illinois trying to help others to embrace their true selves while pursuing a lifestyle that better suits their wellness goals And in this process, she herself is repeatedly growing, learning, and healing. 
You see, folks, we are all humans going in and out of our own suffering. It's just that some of us have learned to use those obstacles as opportunities. The strongest have learned to use compassion to bring others up in the process. What we do with our pain and our love defines our character. And Jen continues to prove she is not only a gladiator, but she is an unconquerable soul. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm crying. Literally. Well, you're not alone because I almost couldn't get through my own intro. <laughs> oh, Scott. Oh. Thank you for having me. I think you kicked it off with that story that caught, really caught me off guard. And then, and it's actually hard to articulate the sadness in that story. And then just the way you see me, I really am grateful for. Well, as we were talking, if you guys don't know, we were, we've actually been talking for almost two hours before we, yeah. hit, before we even hit record here. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't share any of these things with her. And, you know, we've been trying to link up to do a podcast for quite some time now. And I completely value people's time and attention and have committed to doing the Sisu Way episodes in person. And so that's why we are doing this now is episode 39 and not a lot sooner. Um, because those type of personal connections really matter. And we don't have those same level of, of connection when we do it over Zoom or phone or anything like that. And you have, you know, this online persona. You have been... Uh, up to close to 300,000 followers on Instagram. You've been on the TV shows and in, in, you know, inner circles of the famous. But to me, and we, I've known you for quite some years, is, and I think you know, and people that listen to the show know that I'm not necessarily impressed by those things because I'm more interested in the actual person and how they make other people feel. To me, that's valuable, and that's what matters. Uh, and even before the show, we were talking about how, like, even like the appearance. And I said, when I look at you, I don't necessarily see like Phoenix from American Gladiators. <laughs> I see like the young girl from Illinois. To me, you look like a young girl. <laughs> yeah. Like I see a kid in you and there's an innocence with that. And that innocence and that, that kid is in all of us. And that kid sometimes, um, see if I can articulate, can get disappointed and hurt by the adult life. And sometimes we forget about how like perceptive and innate and how emotional that kid part of us is. And so that's what I see. And over time, especially I've been perceptive enough to pick up on some of the, some of the pain and suffering that you've gone through. And then what that must feel like to consistently and over time to keep reinventing yourself in in that type of profession that you're in to put up that front. And that seems to me to be exhausting. <laughs> but at the same time, I think you're doing a good, a good job of being vulnerable and being honest to people. And it's just really important. So I guess my first question is number one, and it's kind of a, maybe a difficult one, but are you happy? <laughs> I, 
can tell you that for the first time in a long time, I can say yes. And it makes me happy that you can see the, the kid in me because I, I don't think I've been tapped into her for a long time. And I think it comes down to, it's, an, it's, a, it's a personal negotiation of how much does it cost to belong and to stand out um, that's what does it cost to belong and to be accepted versus I should say standing out as the kind of leader that you want to be and save some of that vulnerability for yourself while also trying to share parts of yourself like it becomes like I said this negotiation of what is disproportionately being gifted away and how much time am I spending in the lives of others and not really feeling any kind of fulfillment for me. And then the inception of that is a lot of that gifting is avoidance of what I'm not willing to look at, process, or don't want to find. And so, you know, the cave holds the, the, what is the cave holds the, this is the great quote. Oh, you're the talking about the allegory of the cave? The cave holds the treasure. The, the, tr the cave you are afraid to enter, you f the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Am I close? Yeah, I okay. get the meaning of it. Yeah. And so my happiness comes from taking some time back and going into the unknown. The cave does, I think people think, oh, it's dark, it's hard, it's ugly, it's going to be brutal. It's just unknown. That's all this is. This is Luke Skywalker going down the hole. This is Dune. Put your hand in the box, like for any of my sci-fi people out there. And that's what I've been doing, and it feels awesome. Speaking of Dune, they keep pushing back the movie release date, which is... I mean, I can't emotionally be tied to movies anymore. When I, feel, when I found out the original Lord of the Rings series were one year apart every time, I, I, I cried to my brother on the way back from the theater. I go, I have to wait another year. So yep. I'm just not going to worry about it. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be, when it drops, it drops. I'm going to be super happy, but yep. I can't plan for it. <laughs> but also in the, in the, you know, in the, in the listeners know that when I, I've always had like this weird relationship with people's resumes or bios and introducing them because we are not our resume. Mm. Like everything that's on that, I feel like I, I haven't named it yet, but there should be another resume that shows the hardships and what you've overcome. Mm. And that's actually more indicative of what kind of character you are. But is there any part of your of your bio that like resonates the most or let me articulate a different way is like, what do you identify as? What do I? Like, I, pro like professionally, let's just say. Hmm, isn't that funny? For the first time, I don't want to. I know that I am here to coach and lead people. So if you say, Jen, who are you? What do you do? I'm a coach. That's, that's what I am. I'm not all the other words that come after. I'm a coach on The Biggest Loser. I'm yeah. a coach for Shape Magazine. I'm a coach for this celebrity. Those things don't make being a coach higher, more or worse you know, more valuable or less valuable. Yep. I believe I'm a coach. You're dedicated to the service of other people. 100%. Yep. I tell people along the same lines, I, like I don't identify as 
uh, uh, police officer. Hmm. I, I don't identify as a law enforcement officer. I don't, I mean, if I were to not stop that job now, I don't, my personality is probably not going to change. Hmm. Uh, but I tell people I identify as a good man. Hmm. Like that's, that's my identity. Mm-hmm. Who happens to have that job? Yeah. Um, but you made a choice to put that first. And I think that, and I don't want to speak for you, but I think you have to go through the some of the adolescence, your spiritual adolescence to think, these are the things I'm going to achieve. I'm going to be this kind of a police officer. I'm going to join SWAT. I'm going to create these or, or hit these benchmarks, right, in your career. Um, me, I'm the same. Like, oh, I go from coaching classes to teaching privates to training celebrities to doing stuff on TV. And you can climb to the top of the mountain. And once you get that high, you realize, oh, there's actually nothing up here. And then you realize the gift was not the uh, achievement. It was who you got to develop along the way, which is not just yourself, but I think the people that you work with, you're someone that's lasting oppression on everybody that you interact with. And I think that becomes the legacy. It's not, it's not what's on your badge. It's not what's in my resume. It's who I am and who I've developed into and who I'm also developing as I go. I've also learned that as, I think in any profession or any area, uh, doesn't matter if you're in on a SWAT team or, or on a professional sports team is that it's about people and the relationships and that journey together mm-hmm. and those, those bonds over anything else. Um, what, how old were you when you figured that out? Boy, <laughs> I might be embarrassed to say this, but it was pretty young. I was why, one of those, why, why would you be embarrassed to well, say that? Well, I was that? like one of those like perceptive kids. And it came, that, and at the same time, that came with a lot of uh, a lot more suffering pretty early of on. Of course. Cause, but, but I literally wrote these, these words down today when I journaled. You feel different because you are different. Scott? Yep. <laughs> you are different. And you notice that you were different really early. And that can be hard at a time when all we, we do have this kind of flock mentality. We want to be together. We want we kind of, we're learning by mimicking. We're learning by watching and by feeling what it looks to have a feeling and by seeing, I mean, it's totally normal. Yeah. And some of my, um, I say my biggest teachers are the guys behind me <laughs> and, 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 I'm, and for the listeners, I'm pointing to my bookshelf. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, I'm like, there's nobody actually in the room. It's just. A shelf yeah, the books. authors of those books over yeah, there, and yeah. those those are, you know, some of them, those little trinkets back there. Any of those stand out to you? Just curious, because I, I I have my perception of it. I know my perception and my perspective of it is one thing, but you haven't been in here since I've read I mean, in the garage. The last time there was exposed beams, I was wearing a Batman mask yes. and a Conan sword, yeah. and we do have a photo to prove it. Um, and I was in a sports bra. I mean, I, I guess it was hot that day. I mean, what yeah. was I thinking? <laughs> and what she, uh, what she's referring to was, uh, an interview for the Wadcast podcast. And yep. I think that, gosh, that, what was it like seven years ago? It had to have been. It's 2020. So no, six, Eight years? Years, six years ago. Cause I only started CrossFit in 2013 and I had done regionals, which I think is how we came across each other. Cause why would I be? Why would you want to talk to me? And uh, you know, like, and I did Biggest Loser. Going this into this was prior. This was prior to that. This was definitely way prior to because we did Loser. one. We did pre Loser, post Loser, or during Loser. 
Yep. Yeah, I think it had to be that because you and uh, Armin um, challenged me and Dan Clark, aka Nitro. Yeah, that was way. That was way later. That was later. Okay, yeah. then I can't. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, you still have my uh, gladiator outfit that I'm allowing you to keep. Yeah, no, no, no. It's I have it in storage in Denver. I All have right. it. It's yours. I will not throw it away. Yeah, for the record, we <laughs> <laughs> let's catch them up. Yeah. So we did. Um, well, you came on uh, that first episode. You came on with Dan Wells, and you guys are doing the horsepower thing. Oh God, that's right. Yeah. Ugh. Yep. And I also remember we had taken a bunch of funny photos that night. That one, the one in particular that I had to like take down from the internet. Yeah. We pretended that we traded clothes, and everybody got weird. No, we, we, no, we actually no, that we did change. Well, yeah, we did change clothes. It look and it looked like I had a shirt on with no pants, and then he had my tank top on. Which I'm pretty sure was the last time I wore color. And last time I wore that shirt because you like ripped it. Like your mom. No. <laughs> you like barely squeezed in. Well, you stretch it out, thankfully. <laughs> but uh, then we did. So we did that. And then um, you had come back during The Biggest Loser on a mm-hmm. Wildcast episode that was kind of infamous. Yeah. When, when you and Eddie went at it. And it was kind of that awkward silence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I, I do regret not standing up for myself a little more, though. I think, and maybe I can put this in the notes, but the episode, I don't even remember what happened. Me neither. I just know it was biggest uh, oh. loser stuff. And then Eddie was kind of like, was he kind of saying that the he show su- was full of it? Yeah, he was suggesting that like we were exploiting those people. And I said, come spend a day there with me. Come see what I do. You have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. And that was the anger. Because I mean, I literally talked to my contestants every day. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, sometimes I wish they didn't have my number because we're on a text thread and I'll show up to my phone with 50 yeah. messages. And I love them. But like I did the show for the people and that was always the that was always the through line for me. And from the outside, I guess in Eddie's defense, you wouldn't see that, but don't accuse me of that. Because yeah. anybody that knows my character knows my commitment to the people in my life, whether the cameras are rolling or not. And yeah. that was the issue. And I felt bad because... <laughs> I, you know, out of respect for you and getting you on the show and getting yeah. you there in person. And then that happened. And then even to this day, like years and years later, yeah, just that one little photo that I shared with you, people are still commenting and talking about that episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, people will be happy to know that I've since run into Eddie and we didn't talk about it. And it was just lovely. Like he's pretty normal human being, extremely intelligent, very great conversationist like interested as well as very interesting and it wasn't a thing but you know yeah i think eddie was just um he can be uh like innocent or nice and then if you if poked in a certain way or if he perceives a certain level like of like disrespect and i don't know if that's the right word then he comes out like here come the claws yeah but you know what it's also i mean taking the spotlight off of ed and me I'm looking at just scenarios in general. At the time, I was personally offended, right? And I, I felt like, how dare, and all the, you know, the, all the common flare-ups in my head came up. And I realized at the end of the day, and this, this, this epiphany came to me years later, but you, you just don't know what's going on in that person's life, in their day, what they're coming from, what they're going into, what, I don't know if it's the scent of my perfume or the way I said something or whatever it became. I know it was not about me. And I just find that I have so much more compassion for people because I realized the times that I've been imperfect 
I know. I was like, I, I'm like, you know my heart. You should know that I didn't mean to be rude to you. I, I didn't mean to be short. And it's like, no, that's not okay. You know what I mean? And I wanted, like, when I took responsibility for the times I was imperfect, I had so much more compassion for other people that are also going to be imperfect because that's how it goes. Yeah. And I, and there is a, the, a very important relationship between judgment and compassion. <laughs> it's easy for us, and, and we can relate this internally and externally, because internally, what I mean by that is relationship with yourself and if you're showing yourself compassion or you're judging yourself, but even relationship with others, judgment tends to uh, come from an insecure place and generally creates distance between you and the thing that you are judging, where compassion does the opposite. Mm. And, in, and in my opinion, the more compassion you, you, you have for people, it doesn't necessarily mean that they even know it. But just sharing it internal, like having a compassion feeling is a, has a healing effect on you overall. Oh, yeah. It's not about them knowing. It's not putting the gift receipt with the compassion. Yeah. Like, just so you know who this is from. Yeah. I did that for you. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not how it works because then it changes it. You know, if it's like an artist. If you are developing something with an audience in mind, it, it sacrifices the craft. You have to give and share not knowing how it will be received or if they'll even know it's from you. Yeah, so show, giving people some slack. Oof, big time. Yeah, give people some slack and know... The quote that I've used a bunch is that our stories are unique, but the struggle is universal. So mm-hmm. we continue to know that everyone is going through a battle and a hardship that no one knows about. Mm-hmm. Everybody. I, I mean, no one is no one is excluded from that. Right? Yep. And so if you can share that compassion and understanding for people. Well, and just be honest, don't you want don't you want to be cut some slack sometimes, Scott? Yeah. Don't you yeah. want it? Don't yep. you kind of need it? And if I and I do that as an expectation, I have started to realize I carry. I'm like I'm pretty great 98 percent of the time. Cut me a break, man. Kind of a thing. Like I get almost defensive. You can hear my voice change. And I'm like, if I if I'm expecting it, of course I should be giving it, right? And that and that changed everything. So. Yep. And then, the, the you know to turn it back inward. Yeah. That starts with you. And yeah. are you judging yourself? <laughs> Or are you giving yourself the same level of compassion you would expect yourself to give to others? Well, I mean, you already said it perfectly. When you are judging, it separates you from you and that thing. So when you judge yourself, when you're critical, when you don't have any allowances for mistake or learning curves or curiosity, you are just more and more separate from yourself. And you can't figure out, you know, why I'm lonely, why I'm... I, I, you know, you're not, you don't feel good in your skin. Why are you not feeling motivated? Why you don't want to be a part of anything? Because there's no thing, there's no you to start with. It has to start with you. Yep. And I, it was funny. I, I was I, sci-fi again. Have you seen the movie Stargate? Of course. It's great. Great. My great. uncle was a visual effects supervisor on that. <laughs> he actually built Stargate. Will you thank him for me? Because I that movie changed everything for me. <laughs> I loved it. But there's a great scene in the very beginning of it um, where. I don't want to, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to say what's going on, but the science. No, time out. If they haven't seen it by now, spoiler alert, like the, we've, we've, we're past that already. Okay. Uh, I'm still, so, I'm going to stick or with Or someone's guns. going, if someone heard you say Stargate and now talk about it, yeah. hit pause now. <laughs> go watch Stargate and then restart <laughs> the episode. Well, they're basically, he was finding that, you know, this Stargate is charting a course. Can I say that? Mm-hmm. 
And he talks about how when you chart a course, you need six points in a three-dimensional space to find a destination, right? And he makes this cube on the board and it connects those six points. But in order to, that's, that's a destination, but to plot a course, you need a point of origin. And that's what he talks about. That's where they were missing out in the Stargate was that you need the seventh symbol. You need it in order, because where are you starting from? And all I see in this, you know, in life, whether you're in your fitness or not, destination, destination, I'm going to be this size. I'm going to be this, um, you know, lose this amount of weight. I'm going to, I'm going to be this person on the football team, but no one figures out where they're starting from emotionally, physically, anything. So how do you know what are the correct steps for you personally to go towards that destination? And so origin is coming back to the you. And you, if you're separated from yourself, you cannot know where to start. And that's where everyone thinks like, I don't have the willpower. I don't have the resources. I'm not good enough. It's just not going to happen for me. And we get really dark and it has none of that's the case. Yep. And to, to go back, if we're talking about uh, the judgment and compassion internal thing uh, and in relationship with ourselves, then another layer there is to, to be completely aware that our biggest battle and our biggest enemy is within. Mm-hmm. And if there's no enemy within, then no enemy on the outside can hurt you. Hmm. Oof. So that relationship, that internal relationship with that, because that little voice that is showing that rationalizes bad food, rationalizes, uh, you know, cheating on your significant other. Mm. Uh, we all have that little voice in us, and it's like our own internal. Um, hater your own that's your little enemy so do you you think it goes away no do you think you outgrow it 100 no yeah so uh so i'm saying staying inside your mind now you have that internal battle that we think we can all agree is the biggest battle because it never stops and it's always there Mm -hmm. like that's actually part of the reason why i have in my bio and in every intro that i I put in there that I'm a mindful warrior mm-hmm. because that's where my battle is and has nothing to do with actual, like, you know, I'm not on the front lines. Well, for you, I guess you I kind of am, but yeah, but well, well yes, but still that's way easier than what I got going on in my own head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so identifying that is important because if, if you don't, if you lack that, your own self-awareness, then you can't self-regulate yourself. So that seeking that point or that, that seventh point within your own mind takes a lot of skill and, and dedication. And somehow it always comes up on the show. But the sign above me, the Temenoske sign, means know thyself. Mm-hmm. And that, I have it there on complete purpose because that is an epic journey and someone completely dedicated to and needs a lot of work. So for you... What are some of the things that you do to center yourself or to find, to plot those points for yourself? Well, Mike, we've, you know, is, is it to know or is it to be and to feel? I, I think the voice of the mind is far too loud. I think the voice of the mind is the one that's rationalizing bad behavior and telling mm-hmm. you that, ugh, what are you thinking? This is the, no one's going to listen to this podcast. Why even do it? Why even start it? Why push to have people, co- you know? I think it comes from the heart. I think we have to unblock. I think we have to get clear. Because the messaging is clear. It's almost the un- my process is you what are those points? I find ways to unobstruct. It's not adding. 
I'm not trying. I'm not building. I'm removing. Yep. Well, eventually, once you get there, you're not thinking about the future at all. No. You're just like there. Yeah, and it's weird. I will tell you, it's a bit of a funny way to say it, but it's going to make sense. Not for people in Los Angeles, because you don't really have a fall, but kind of. As a Chicago girl, I always remember that first day of fall that I would constitute as the first day of fall. Because you walk outside, and the air is just crisper. And you, you're like your boogers freeze. You're like you can feel you can feel them a little bit colder, and then you go like, and you can see your breath. And I don't care how old you are, it's like that feeling of like just embracing that environment. And it wasn't just overnight that oh, this happened overnight and it became fall. It was months and months leading up to our planets moving, turning on its axis, getting to that point to that moment. So all of these things led up to that one exact pinpoint moment that you recognize physically, here we are right now, it's fall. But all the change is going on. And I feel like it's the same way when it comes to that realization. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm here. And I, 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 and I've had, I think there are big points in my last few years that stand out as I made a decision not to freeze my eggs. And there was a whole conversation and I'm happy to talk about it. But I was like, what came over me was a sense of peace. I was going to freeze them out of fear. Will a man not accept me if I'm a little older and are my, you know, can I not have a child? I don't know. You know, I, and I was doing it out of fear, out of protecting a potential future. And, uh, and like, by the way, if a guy doesn't want to be with me because of one element, that's like that, that's like that. It's not that he's bad. It's just that he's probably not my partner and that's also okay. But I found myself finding being very at peace with these big decisions that I that I had realized I was choosing out of fear and worry and control. I'm a very powerful person. I feel I feel it in the way I do things and I maneuver through life and I can maneuver people. But when you control anything bad from happening, you also cho- control the mystery of what could. And that for me has been the I'm here. It's me. Like I, I just a few days this year, I've woke up I'm like it's fall. Like I just woke up like I'm just here, and it all is okay. And I just stopped holding on so tight. Isn't it funny how our, how much our imagination bullies us? <laughs> I've had thoughts about that because most of the time, our imagination it tends to be on on kind of like the more careful. Uh, I guess negative side, like fear driven ish. Okay. But I feel like if it's that way, then it can also be the other way. Well, of course. Right? Of course. I just, you know, I, I've said this a lot with people I've worked with and weight loss and like some of the behavior psychological choices that we make are just kind of, you know, I, I almost equate it to you're going down a ski hill and you keep just jumping on the same set of tracks. And it's really hard to deviate once you've chosen those tracks. Also, it's difficult to start a new set, but fresh snow is where it's at. You get to you get to go to a new place, but it's unknown. You don't know the terrain. You don't know where those trees are. Like everything's different, but that's where we have to we have to start that new pathway. But we have to be willing to say, "Oop, I'm going to step out of these and physically actively make that choice." And those are those moments where it's like life-threatening issue, losing a family member, you know, pandemic, big, big life things that tell us that shake people enough to say, I must be different. I, or I want to make this change. Yep. And we were talking about this prior to the show that it's the same thing 
being aware and stepping out of your own cultures mm. or social norms or people having a certain expectation of the way things are supposed to be or how you're supposed to act or how you're supposed to post or how often you're supposed to have a podcast or mm-hmm. how you're supposed to do introductions or how you're supposed to fill in the blank. And having that awareness and being like, first of all, who decided those things? Mm-hmm. And we'll, why do they get to tell you how to decide what to do with your limited time here? Right. Well, there's two pathways, right? There's the path that others choose for you, or there's the one you choose for yourself. And I would say for about 38 years, because I just turned 38, I've been doing the first one. (laughs) And it's a matter of wanting to feel connected, belong, show effort, show interest in people, But in the meantime, completely sacrificing my own instincts, my own happiness. We talked about that. That was the first question Mm -hmm. you answered. And and also sacrificing what makes me feel good because I'm so overextended trying to make sure, are you feeling okay? Right? And I think, you know, as I've kind of started to reposition my, it is the thought, it is it is the heart. It is this reprocessing and reconnecting. It's almost like the flux capacitor, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm just changing the way things are going. And and I got to tell you, I feel much better. And the weird benchmarks as I, 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 or I've had a lot of poor reactions from people that were, I thought, really close to me. And it's because they see me changing. And they see me as selfish and, um, you know, like what, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm kind of taking different paths. I'm spending my time differently. I'm saying no. when I need to say no. I'm asking for time to personally process what I'm doing because that's what I need. And I know it and I'm not ignoring that anymore. And it's the, why would you do this to us? Why would you leave us in the dark? Why would, you know, and, and, and I thought I'm triggering something really big. And for me, I realized that's always been there. I've just been bowing. I've been changing the way, the things that I think I needed to do for myself in order to keep relationships alive that probably weren't well-suited anymore. I know that's a lot. No, it's not. Hmm. Um, right now at this point in time, how, do you, how would you define achievement? Like what does achievement look like to you? I want to do things that are special. That's it. So if that means have a conversation with your son in the other room and he teaches me how to play dominoes because I have no idea, um, I think that's pretty special. That's By the way, cool. he's, he, he's like already asking for you to come back and play. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And be careful because he'll, <laughs> he's, that's like, he'll, once he gets a hold of you, that's it. Oh, that's great though. But that, that's an honor. That's, I love yeah. that. Yep. But that's special. That's a great day. That's an awesome day. What, um, cause we, you have achievement, right? And that's like a, you know, achievement is a, is a subjective thing, but also what things make you feel valuable? Hmm. I will tell you service is really fun. I love, I got a message today from a man in my app and like my app is 95% women and uh, 35 to 55, there's no bell curve. Like, like they're all just stacked right there. And this one man, like 
the, what he wrote me in his transformation in his, his goals were to be less shy and to speak up in the group more. And what that uncovered for him was such a bigger, deeper, more difficult, but like beautiful pivot for him. And he just said like, thank you for being a bright spot in 2020 where there were very few for me kind of a thing. I was like, oh, it, this is why you serve. This is why you coach. Because it's small conversations, small challenges, small interests in people that they have to take and they have to do. I don't have to hold their hand. And frankly, if I do, it won't work. And he's been able to take that and really go forward. And that to me is super rewarding. Um, I've also realized that there's a difference between people that use my gifts, but don't value them. And I think that that was a big differentiator for me when it comes to feeling really, uh, what was the first word you used? Um, I, I guess valued. Uh, you said valuable. valued. Yeah, valuable. Um, when I'm valued for my gifts and not just used for them, I felt like, I think when you're used for what you can do, I think that's where you see a lot of this this never-ending stream of output giving and trying to win over and trying to create access and trying to create connection. And I'm someone that has quite a um, capacity for work. I can do it. No one will outwork me when my mind's on it. I know it. I know what I can do. And that only actually kind of backs me in the wrong way because I won't run out. I'll break down before I know what's going on. And I think I think that's it to, to be... To, and it's more, it's different than acknowledgement. It's just that like the people that use my gifts do value them. I want them, I want to know that they, they get it. And that's not, that's less and less people as I, as it turns out. <laughs> well, are you doing anything in your, in your coaching to, to bring people's minds into the movement in a different way than say counting reps or anything to improve their appreciation or even their perspective of the ability to do a burpee? I, um, what's fun about coaching is it's, it's, it's not the burpee. It's not the sets and reps. It's all the connective tissue between it. It's the girl that's complaining in my app saying, Oh, another week of this training block. I'm so sick of it. When Jen, when is this done? And I, in front of everybody, I was like, Hey, glad to see you're in it. Glad to see you've done the weeks. Da, 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 da. However, you staying in it now more than ever is important for you. This quitting thing, this I'm too bored, I'm too this, is exactly what I'm trying to get to. And I explain it all right there. I explain why I create tempo in their movements. I make them go slow. And, it, you know, to a degree, yes, it's COVID. Nobody has weights. like everybody, And so gravity can become your barbell if you move slower. But moving slow, having to breathe, making them do longer sets, it all forces them to hit all the corners of their body all the corners of their mind, all the times they're like, fuck, I'm at eight, I have 15. That's the muscle I'm working that keeps you strong out there and keeps you, I think, resilient in your home being the way you want to be, whether you're a single person like me or you have a family. Like, and it's not just mental toughness. It's mm -hmm. like, it's not that. It's you get to know yourself. You get to know those voices. You get to know where you usually give up and you get to know that you actually don't need to. I mean, that that's, that's to me the joy of it. And yeah, of course you'll lose weight. Of course you'll lose sizes. I'm, you're moving. You were fat before and not doing anything. And now you're walking and drinking water and carb cycling with me. So 
the carrot is the waistline. The carrot is, I promise I'm going to help you with this thing that you want. But as a byproduct, they always get the mental. And that's the gift of the work that I do. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, what you do. Yeah. The, 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 you know, looking through the window, it is those things like how, how you look, how you feel, how you perform, how you measure mm-hmm. all those things. Sure, sure. But then there, again, there is that part that can't necessarily, the part that counts that you can't count. And that is, have you improved as a wife? Are you a happier sister? Are you a better friend? Are you going to be around a little bit longer for your kids? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had another woman in my app. She goes, you know, I had to share this with you and it was her daughter, um, was, you know, zoom schooling and they had to draw a picture and do a display of what her favorite part of the day is. And it was working out with mommy and there's like a rainbow and it's her and she's, you know, her mom's like, she's like, I never wear pink and apparently I'm in a pink outfit. And, and it was like, she created a connection point with her daughter that she didn't know was possible. And it became, she got to see her mother in a different way, aspirationally working hard, being focused, you know, and, and not to sound funny, but there's a, there's a, when you level, when you physically get on the same level, like when I see a kid, I usually take a knee, you know, the mom and they were on the same, they were planking, they're right there, they're eye to eye. Yep. And it creates just a different um, exchange. That's, that's the best way I can say. And so it was like, hey, like, she's losing weight. She's doing all the things I promised her I'd help her with. But what she's gaining is all those other things that sometimes you didn't know were there. And that's the, again, that's the mystery that comes when you start to allow things to kind of happen. I'm just hit, sitting here thinking about like, cause you know, when my wife was working out and how my youngest is doing some of the things now and then yeah. he's coming in and showing me his, uh, bird dogs or his planks Great. and his, uh, uh, by the way, you said something earlier and like 40 seconds ago, I want to ask cause it made me think of something, but what is the, your favorite part of the day? Oh, mine. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think it might be. It's definitely time on my own. And for the first time in my life, it's not physically motivated. I used to be like, oh, training on myself. Oh, you know, being out and about doing something. I've been really, I've been forcing myself to get up early. It's called 30 Days of Dawn. And I, of course, I did it this month before the time, the time change happened. <laughs> but it's been really wonderful to kind of be up before the world is up. And just write, just write thoughts down, write down. And it's crazy, like the teaching moments I'm having through my own self, my own channel that like I didn't have to take mushrooms for. I was like, whoa, I have access to this all the time. I don't have to go on a mushroom trip Mm -hmm. to get this stuff figured out. And it, you know, it was just really like, oh, wow, the doorway is always there. And that's what my morning um, writing has been giving. So it's been really great. Yeah. The two that comes to my mind? Yeah. My morning coffee. Yeah, sure. Oh, oh I went deep. Oh, God. Well, well no, I, have, I do have well, coffee with me. I do a blended thing, sit down, have the thing, and do it up. Well, bear with me. That If you were to look at me from your perspective, you would see me having morning coffee. But oh, uh, I'm not talking about the stuff that's going on in my mind is not, not the morning coffee. Um, but there's there's a soothing element to that. Oh, for sure. Like 
so I joke around. I tell people, I was like, I, I go to sleep just so I can wake up to have my morning coffee. That's, like, <laughs> That's great. Uh, there's yeah. also that uh, there is a there's this like fraction of a second when I when I come home from being gone gone from home for a while. Yeah, I come home and the sounds that come out of my kids when I first come to the front mm, door. Yeah. Then like two seconds later, it's kind of gone. <laughs> Because I'm trying, well, no, I'm kidding, but well, I'm trying to put everything down and they're climbing on me. Yeah. But there's yeah. a certain sound that like they both make and I'm glad that my eight-year-old has not grown out of it. Yeah. And it's usually the way, the way they say the word daddy when I come home. Mm. You, like they still, they like they, it's through excitement and then my eight-year-old still sounds like, like a tiny little kid to me when he does it. Mm. And I hope he doesn't outgrow it. Mm. I'm sure he will at some point and be like, sup dad, what's oh, yeah. for dinner? Yeah. No, it'll shift. Yeah. What, um, I mean, how long have you been married now? I feel like I should know this. 13 years. Okay. Now, and we were together and like together together for four years prior to that. Yeah. So you're, you're approaching 20. Yeah. Sometimes I just wonder how, if the two favorite parts are time by yourself and the sound your kids make when you get home. Where do you find the, and a spark is just too small for how great you and your wife are. Like those, those, like those moments that, that, um, that like, you know, those moments with your wife, do they just, do they, do, do they kind of come up through the day and they bubble up and they're there? Is it something that you are actively like, I don't want to say plan for, but you have to be a part of, cause I, you know, you've been, you're a relationship I look up to, and I just was curious about that. Well, a couple of things about that. First of all, thank you. Second thing is, and this is a whole other conversation, mm-hmm. marriage is certainly not easy. And I and I think, I, I hope everyone, if you're not married, if, you, if you're married, you already know that. Yeah. And if you're not, like, it's not, it's not easy, and it's not like you're automatically happy. Like, you actually have to work at it and you know the other component of that is is it is it really natural Hmm. and i don't i'll i don't think it's natural Mm -hmm. because if it was then the desires to like be promiscuous and do other things would not be there i don't know i'm not like yeah but no 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 i i i i don't know i think if you are as an individual satisfied um, in the growth, the trajectory, who you have in your partner, I've never cheated. I've never thought once about being outside of a relationship. I've also not been in a relationship for 17 years, so maybe that changes with time. I think I'm just coming from the standpoint of like, oh man, his it's two, you know, those moments in his day. Like, I would, I would, I wanted to be a moment. Like, I think that's what I thought. Yeah. I was like, and I'm like, well, does it go away? Does it? Does it? Is it different? Is it more than moments? Is it, you know? Well, I, I can, let's see. I know there's, this is not easy to answer. No, no. Well, you bring it up. There's two things that come to mind. And I don't know if they're the perfect answer, but these are what okay. come to mind. Okay. Number one, there are moments where we laugh together mm-hmm. in a funny way at what our kids are doing. Mm-hmm. Like little things that kids do and we laugh at them. Even if they fall, like just the way they do, we'll just laugh. Mm-hmm. So having that companionship and sharing those experiences those are invaluable because mm. even if, if she wasn't there, I would still laugh, but it's not as fulfilling if I'm not laughing with her because mm-hmm. then I tell her about it later and it's just not the same. Yeah. 
Um, and another component that I think is important that, so we've been together, uh, uh, you know, super long time is, and I don't care, I'm gonna put this out there, but I still, like when she gets out of bed in the morning and whenever she walks away from me in the house, I'm still checking her out. <laughs> like I still have a crush on her. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, I'm always grateful that, you know, I think my wife is hot. Mm-hmm. And to me, those moments are kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not like disgusted or like, Oh, like finally she left or anything like that. Mm. So, and I think that's an, uh, an important component. You know, I still like her. What's the thing I've, I've said this before. I've said, I love you to my boyfriends, but I haven't liked many of them very much. <laughs> and yeah. to really like the person to really respect them to really like, Oh, I cannot wait to share this with someone's, you know, yeah. wait, it's a different, and so now I aim to like someone first and then. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> and tough. I don't know how much you want to get into that, but like I, I have, I am an, uh, an indoor cat. <laughs> well, no. This, Wait, this can is, you be like a bobcat? Can we like, can we. Yeah, well, check this know, out. I, I have vicious. this imagery going and I've talked about this with like my single buddies before is I'm in the house. Look, I've been declawed. Yeah, okay. And I'm looking out the window. This is my cat. Looking out the window, and I still see all my 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 other cats playing around and doing stuff in the streets and they're okay. having a good time. And I'm like looking out the window, like, and then like I just keep pouncing on the same pillow, pretending like keep playing. But I look outside and I'm still looking, like, oh my gosh, it looks like so much fun. And I go and I have the same bowl of milk and yep. like that if I were to be let outside, I don't know what I would do. Like, so that's why I'm wondering, like, what is it like? And I know, cause I, I was, I missed the entire like online dating thing and all those apps and all the things. And like, I, I, this was, yeah. I, this was before like social media. Yep. Like I actually had to go up and say hi to a girl and talk to her and then convince yeah, her. Yeah, you had to put yourself out there. You'd walk yeah, across the room yeah, and, and, the, yeah. and like convince her to go meet a stranger somewhere and do something. Yeah. Know? But nowadays, I don't. I have no idea what that landscape is like. Well, I, I can tell you. <laughs> actually, I'm actually thinking about going online dating. I've thought about it. Like, I, my my friend's father, he's 60, and he's gonna he's gonna go and do it. And I'm like, if he's doing it, maybe I'll try it and give it a shot. So it's funny that you brought that up. But. Um, I think it comes back, it loops back to our origin conversation because if you if you know yourself, if you know who you are and what you need and you know as an indoor cat and you like the bowl of milk and you're so happy and like you, this is a life that you want and you've, you're a very intentional man, you've built it with her. Like there are no mm-hmm. mistakes here. Everything is a choice and every day is a choice. So you can look out. But like, if you were really out there, you'd be like, shit's whack. I don't like it out here. You know, not because you can't, because I don't choose it. I don't want to do this. And I don't know. I I think that's the difference. I think it's knowing what you need and knowing what you want. Even, even, and I think part of it is the social, like, what are the steps and the progressions? And I've even thought, like, I literally have thought and had to be really honest with myself if I don't get married in this lifetime, if I, if I, if, if the, w- this, this run at it, I'm not supposed to 
divert my energy to a relationship or maybe to motherhood and I've got, but there's bigger plans this lifetime. I trust it. Mm. I trust it. And I don't want to just do it and have it because I feel like I'm the only one. Well, I don't feel like I am the only one in my circle of friends that aren't married and children and you know, and I think that's the difference. If you can really anchor in who you are, what feels right right now, I think you make it out okay. Yeah. But you have to be honest with that. Have to. And that's another thing, the whole cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Our culture says get married, have kids. And that's like the... Do you know how many women have said, oh my God, you missed your first marriage. Congratulations. Good on you. Love my kids. But, oh, and I was like, and I hear that a lot. And these are not bad women. But I, I, I was like, oh man. Sad. It made me a little sad. I mean, but at the same time, I look at me, I'm 38. I mean, if 31-year-old Jenny or 34-year-old Jenny or 36-year-old Jenny had picked the guy, it would have been the wrong guy. Well, it does you know what I mean? Like well, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, like you are, you are here now, and like, what an amazing opportunity that is. Oh, I know. Right. But I finally know that I used to think it was an issue, and now I'm like, oh, I'm just like a piece of fruit on the vine. I'm just not ripe yet. It's just not time. Because the amount I've learned in the last year alone, and the lot, and what I've learned through quarantine, what I've learned in the last 24 hours, what a blast. Yeah. Well. Also, by the way, you're ripe. <laughs> I'm just like it's not it's it's not like you need to be prepared to be served to anybody. But the ripening means my I think I will say I feel like as far as my development personally that I was looking outside myself for I I feel like I have uh, fa- founded within. Yeah. Yep. And it's a that's a in that case and you're not going to stop ripening. And that's the other component because I thought, well, I won't stop growing. You, you know, there is no finish line. There is no mm-hmm. end. So it's it's more, is, is, it, you know, if we're talking about fruit still, if you're both at the similar ripeness, <laughs> can you continue to grow forward, right? That's the thing. Yeah. What kind of fruit do you identify as? <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think. I'm like, am I a grapefruit? I'm getting an avocado vibe. I'm, I'm an avocado or you're no, an avocado? Okay, so finicky, like not good, not good, not good, ripe for a day, maybe two, and then you're, you know, like you got to find the right window with Scott McGee. Is that what we're saying? I just know I go really well on on some toast. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and it tends to make everything better. I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so let's look at the other side of avocado. Yeah. Versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, culturally fluid, right? You work with a lot of different cuisine, right? So you're open. Um, you do you upgrade toast big time. So you're you're elevate meals. And just think of all great energy, like great all the guacamole. Yep, opportunities, yep. gatherings, community. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. avocado, great. You know, it can be a solid. It can also you know it can change the texture of it. Can make smoothies. Yeah, more have a totally different feeling and texture to it. Does the color interest you? No. Yeah. No. I have a weird thing with color. Like you're colorblind? Well, like... Or you... I I just... You don't like wearing it. You feel like it's too... 
that's why you said in that pit you was the last time you wore color. So do you feel like it's 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 an it, it creates an expression of you that you don't mean? Yeah. Yeah. I always wear black. That's just Well, you and Johnny Cash. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what like if I were sitting here in a blue shirt, I wouldn't even know what to do with my hands. I'd be like <laughs> I wonder why it polarizes you that way. I haven't figured that part out yet. I just remember, I remember all of a sudden having that feeling when I was in um, middle school. Mm -hmm. And then obviously I wore different, well, different color. I mean, wore colors, but now I'm like, if you were to go and look at my drawer, like in my, at least my t-shirts, um, there's two drawers full of black shirts. Okay. And there's two green ones and that's, uh, you know, work related. Do you buy your wife flowers? Uh... I have. And if, okay. I, I don't. Do you do buy, do you buy white? Or do you do colors? Well, that's not fair. Because we do a different, like, we have our, a, a, a weird relationship with flowers. Like it's a waste of money? Well, that's part of it. Yeah. And, and the other part of that is, like, I feel like as soon as, by doing that, we're contributing to, like, the death of flowers. As opposed to, like, planting them. Understood. Like, I'm just trying to think how I'm trying to find another color avenue of. Uh, to un I just feel like you're a sensitive, and so a color means something to you, or feels something to you, and you don't want to feel that way. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, that's part of it. It's also very easy. I don't have to think about clothes. I don't think about. It. I just put on black. But color, yeah. I, I will agree that I'm very intentional. Yes. Well, there are no accidents. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe somebody listening out there can can diagnose this for me. Yeah. Well, maybe it's not a diagnosis. It's it's just clearly you you respond to color for a reason. And I think what it is, you very hmm. you are very true to yourself. So when something does not feel aligned with you, you do not use it. You don't you don't just don't do it. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, you know, reaching out for help. How are you doing with that? And do you struggle with letting other people help you? Yes. Um, and I, and I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. And I've only recently had some like, you know, I broke my foot. I had a dog bite in my face where I've had to receive help. Had to. And I realized at the basis of the not receiving help thing, like, I know I'm not a burden. I know that. I know they're happy to do it. I, I actually feel like it's my independence kicking in. I don't like to have to rely on people because they let me down a lot. And I think that is where it comes from. And so if I don't have to count on you, I can contain the scenario, the energy coming and going and figure it out. So is it kind of like, if I don't have to count on you, you can't hurt me. Correct. I mean, that's the, the last boy I, guy I dated. I couldn't count on him. Great person, intelligent, wonderful, dynamic, totally opened up parts of my brain and my heart that I, I couldn't have done on my own. Like I'm very, you know, I'm an oak tree. He's a willow. And it's a, all my best friends are willow trees. They're just, they open things for me. But if you, if you say you're going to be there for me, I need to know that you're going to be there. 
And it seems it's really simple, but it's not small. And I, and I, and for me, that's just a standard of love. And I think that's what the asking for help thing is about because I don't want to feel the pain and I don't want to feel warped by that. I find that I'm really porous. And so to allow you into that space, I'm allowing you in. And what, I mean, in these incidents that have happened in the last month or so, I kind of came to the realization of, oh, by allowing person A to help me, they actually feel, they're, they're actually given a very important role in my life. And that's, that's, I think those are the positions of which you develop deeper relationships when they're able to step in for you. And I thought, oh God, of course, why do you think I'm so close with all my biggest loser contestants? Why am I close with so many of my best friends? Because they allow me to have that role in their life. And, and I, and I was just kind of that epiphany. So it's something I'm interested in allowing more of. Yeah. So is there anyone that you can point to right now that you consider like your coach? Hmm. What it's, it's funny. Um, I, I find it's more peers. I bounce things off of Gunnar Peterson all the time. Kelly Starrett all the time. Rachel Baklavec all the time, Belisa Vranich. It's more just these like these like just touch points, these like checkpoints of this is my process. Am I nuts? Or you know what I mean? Like I so I've got men and women in my life that are there in a way that helps me. Um it's it's not even like, hey, what do I do? It's a wonderful recognition of my understanding. And when I do yeah. get stuck and I really don't know, like, especially with Gunnar and, and Kelly, they just like, they break the way like, Hey, no, 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 you got this. This makes sense. And these are the things, you know, whether it's a personal professional thing, I can go to them. And it means a lot to just have that sounding board. And honestly, it's safety. I feel so safe and I could say anything and not be judged. And that's, I think the key to a great coach or mentor. And yeah. Yeah. And I think an important thing to point out here is that number one, you realize that you have some, well, we all have them, but you're, you're pointing out you have, you have blind spots mm -hmm. and you realize that your vision and perspective is limited. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to people that you trust to help you paint a, a, a more three dimensional picture. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And also it's the, Oh gosh, it's, I just, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've called Adam Bornstein being like, what am I doing with my life? This is going nowhere. And he reminds me of who I am. Please forgive me. Who is that? <laughs> oh, Adam Bornstein. He's like the great man behind so many amazing books. He's the all behind Ladder. He, he did all of their product development. He's um, copywritten for Manganello, for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like he's he's been in the fitness world forever. He helped build... Tim Ferriss's empire, like he is the man behind a lot of great, great businesses and ideas. And he's just a great, you know, guy that went to see you, lives in Denver with his wife and kids. And just, you know, he was the one that said, start writing your stories down, start writing it down before Biggest Loser happened, before anybody thought I was cool. He was there and saying, you, he's the one that helps people. He sees the special in people and he makes sure they stay on the path. And the the names you mentioned earlier, uh, I'm, I'm familiar with them, but the majority of them are like 
highly skilled and dedicated to their craft uh, trainers, like Gunnar Peterson. And, yep. and, 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 you know, Belisa is more in the breathing work. She teaches the psychology and um, biomechanics around breathing, trauma. She works with a ton of SWAT guys, tons of... Ooh. Oh. What's oh, her name again? Be- Dr. Belisa Vranich, V-R-A-N-I-C-H. Changed my life. Saved my life. Thought I was going to get throat surgery, and she was like, oh, you're just not breathing. Changed my life. And then you have Rachel Baklovic, you know, first ever female uh, strength and conditioning coach in the major, major League Baseball. Now the first ever major league coach period she's a hitting coach for the yankees i mean and she's like younger than me and i thought i was gonna be like a helpful mentor to her and bert soren who's the owner of soren x equipment also a great guy he always you know teaches me to protect the magic in my in myself but introduced us and he was like i think you can be really great support for rachel and like this girl's been like helping me more than i thought i was gonna help her and we've we have found such great friendship and peers and um you know yeah they're for each other and um, Kelly Starrett, for any old school CrossFitters out mm-hmm. there, uh, is from Mobility One. Mm-hmm. Mobility now, now the and, Ready State. Yeah, now Ready State. Mm-hmm. Um, and he his impact is pretty big as well. Massive. Because I don't know when how old I was, but I spent so much time of my um, physical expression as an athlete, not dedicated in losing uh potential by not dedicating time to my mobility mm. and then eventually trying to do um, certain movements in crossfit and being exposed and, and lacking the part that i used to have as a kid and then we sit down for way too long yeah. in life yeah and then basically exposing all these little weak spots and then not only the weak spots but now again the, we have awareness of them but he's able to teach us the awareness of it and the ability to to regulate those. And with within your own self, I mean, he yeah. teaches you to self medicate through um, the discipline of mo- whether you have uh, tools to use just yourself. And I mean, they invented the couch stretch for anybody listening. It's like he he wrote Supple Leopard. He mm-hmm. he invented the couch stretch. Him and his wife Juliet. I think they opened like the twentieth CrossFit gym ever. It was they were in that top. Yeah, yeah, in San Francisco. In San Fran, yeah. So, you know, just, he's just, you know, and it's not sexy. Stretching and mobility is like flossing your teeth. You're like, oh, again, I did it yesterday. And, you know, but man, if you, if you do it, you know the difference. And now, I mean, I don't know about you, but my workouts, I used to be like, I would work out for an hour and do almost no warm up and definitely no post. Now I'm warming up 20 minutes. I'm working out for 20 30 tops and then I do more mobility at the end. So the yep. peer and post is taking more time than the fitness does. Yep. And I, part of that I blame one growing up, we didn't have the awareness of it. And now coaches have the, mm-hmm. are learning the awareness of it and, and, and teaching that into the culture of sports and, and fitness. But, um, the language, like, so I don't even like to say stretching anymore. Because I have a, I have an attachment to what stretching looks like. I put my leg up up here and I lean a little bit and then, okay, now I switch legs. But what it, you need the time under tension to create change. Mm-hmm. And then if you're not, if you're doing something that you can't actually, you know, retest and assess, then you shouldn't be doing it. Mm. And then learning how to do that. And so, you know, Kelly, in, to me, not only taught me how to do those things, 
but also taught me you can use those same concepts in other areas of life. Hundred percent. So if you are, you can do a test and a retest on something, and if what you're doing isn't creating the change that you like, then you change it. Change it. And then you test it and retest it, and if it's not creating the change, then you can keep going. Yeah. You know, I've used that in this this podcast even, even the way I format it. Like it, it didn't always start off like with those stories in, the, in that. Um, and even like you mentioned when you first came here, even the way I kept the lighting and even the scent in this area. Oh, yeah. Like I kept changing over time and eventually I started getting the response that I wanted from people that came, mm-hmm. the first response. And then, so yeah. Like, you know, you feel like out there in traffic in yeah. LA and the things. And then you come in here and it's like, oh. Transport. Yep. Mm-hmm. So speaking of growing, we've all been through pain. Is there any any tips you've learned to, to how you turn your own pain and suffering into growth? Pain is your home. I think pain is an indicator. Pain is information. Fun example. I, I'm going down the street and I roll my ankle. I'm like, ah, fucking hurt, right? Is that what down. happened? No. I okay, okay. fell off a step ladder, small one. All right. And when it comes to physical pain, um, we we look, was the, did I trip on something? Was there, you know, what happened? Maybe I call my friend Scott and I go, you not believe it. I was on the way to your house and I rolled my dang ankle and this is the thing. And you, maybe you're asking me questions about it and I'm touching around the ankle and you're like, I've got a great guy that can acupuncture that, okay. So I'm asking for help. I'm, I'm giving you information. I'm receiving the feedback and maybe I go get care for it. But when it comes to emotional mental pain, we tend to um, shut down. And when I say your pain becomes your home, it's because it's indicators. When you're in something that doesn't feel good, it hurts because it's not the direction you should be going. That can be a relationship. That can be um, the way you're treating yourself. And and I think that becomes a an important, um, you know, oh gosh, how do I say this? I don't think I can say it better than I did now that I think about it. It is an important information. It's like a feedback loop. Pain, here, what does that mean? Go take care of it. So for me, it's just like pain is like the bumpers on the bowling lane and that just keeps you in the center. And I think it's people that ignore pain or endure pain that start to get off track and then they start to lose their center. Yep. I love the bowling analogy and using bumpers in the in the gutters because mm-hmm. the, the mentally... And well, the mentally resilient people have bumpers. Yeah. And actually their bowling alley is a, is downhill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people try to bowl uphill. Well, but th- those are all, those are all variables, mm-hmm. but it's all about, I mean, for me, when things hurt, I get curious now when things hurt, I would shut down, mute it, um, by either being really busy, drinking, friends, travel. I'm great at coping. Um, that's the great thing about being a coach. You can teach it. So, you know, all the, that's why I teach it so well, because I'm doing all the things that my people are doing. Um, and when I allowed pain to have a voice, I realized, oh, pain is my friend. Pain is letting me know that this person doesn't feel good for me anymore. And it's okay. And that, or that, or, you know, it sounds silly. I love Olympic lifting. Snatch was my favorite lift. I used to, I used to lift, you know, almost, I could snatch almost like 200 pounds in college. 
God, it was fun. Ugh. And now it's like, I can't snatch anymore. It hurts. It hurts my shoulder. It's over. And it's, but like, it sounds stupid, but it's like me trying to continue snatching. It's like, it's okay. My body's letting me know. And your heart's going to let you know. Speaking of which, it's okay not to snatch. (laughs) Like, it's okay. It's okay not to do handstand pushups either. Yeah, I don't do it. It's okay. You can still have a very effective level of fitness without having to do the snatch. Oh, it just was fun. No, no, trust me. I feel it. I'm speaking because I can't do it either because of my wrist. Yeah. I tried to clean the other day for the first time in a long time and I just couldn't even hold the the barbell. The rack. Oh, yeah. But I didn't mind. Oh, well, I can do this. So Mm -hmm. let me do that. Yeah, there's no, but that's the thing. It's again, the pain in your wrist is information. So you navigate. It's nothing, it's no different emotionally or mentally, but you have to look at it. Like just the way I inspected my ankle, I looked around me. Why did I trip? Was there a pothole? Was there a shoelace untied? What's the, we look, we look, um, we're interested in finding out what was the impetus. And what we tend to resist is, is not finding what that is because we don't want to know the answer or we're scared of what we're going to find. I also feel that, like you said, it's information, pain, like it's information. Yes. So even the word pain that we are attaching to a thing um, is is important. And I've talked about mental attachments before. Uh, but you are making a perception of something that is unpleasant. Let's mm-hmm. say. Oh. So then at that point in time, a little trick is to recognize it, one, have the appreciation for the ability to feel it mm-hmm. and then follow it up best that you can with things that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. It helps. Yeah. I'm not saying it's like maybe not in the exact moment, but you have a spare. Like say you have another leg. You didn't hurt both legs. Yeah, sure. Or you have an ankle. You have a foot to break. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Well, here. yeah, but you know, it's funny. I'm smiling so big because, um, my training partner here in LA, uh, he has a three-year-old and like an 18-month-year-old uh, year old daughters. And um, we were on a walk around the block and one fell. And I said, oh no. And I was like, are you okay? And and it was fine. And we like kind of brushed it off and it was okay. And Matt goes, um, I hope you don't think I'm being weird, but I kind of want to correct you on something. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, in our family, we don't, we don't, Oh no, we don't create this big reaction around the fall of the incident. We just say, I saw that. And he's like, I acknowledge that I saw it. And he's like, let me check you out. And he makes it, takes out this emotional, dramatic, because when kids like bonk or fall or whatever, the parents tend to um, build a reaction around the kid that becomes far bigger than the kid's experiences. So he's like, we just want them to be like, are you okay? Are you aware? I'm aware. I saw. I'm right with you. Let's check it out. So now when the kids fall, I mean, one, the other one fell like, you know, 20 meters up and, you know, had a bloody knee and she teared up a second and he's like, okay, can I see? Let me check. Okay. She's like, just a little blood. And I'm like, okay. He's like, can you walk? And she, he asked all of the great. And I was like, this is it. It's like, mm-hmm. don't we have this dramatic explosive. My life is ending. Oh no. Let's sob, sob, sob. And I start to think, oh my God, is that how I was nurtured growing up? No offense to my parents that didn't know. And this is, you, you start to carry on that. Th- that's, that's my reaction, my default, because I've been practicing it since I was 18 months old. I don't know. 
versus their kids are, you know, I'm using what he's teaching his three-year-old to teach myself. When something goes down, okay, I see it. What happened? Am I okay? Do a check, check my heart, check my brain, check my, you know what I mean? Like what's really hurting? And, and you realize the, the, the intensity you level, the, how it happened. I don't know. I just think again, it goes to information. They're able to see the situation and I can see those situations more than if I was just reacting blindly with emotion, which has been my tendency. Yep. I'm very, very, very similar with my kids. And believe it or not, I'm not overly emotional when they fall down. (laughs) (laughs) It's, but there are times when I've actually generally been like, oh my God, that, that was bad. But I don't, I keep that, keep that down. Yeah. So they can process information. Cause again, yeah, the, um, the, the tail doesn't need to wag the dog. <laughs> sure. And another, um, like how we react to kids. Cause a lot of times when they do something, they immediately look to see how our reaction is. Sure. And so, yeah, I'm hopeful that the things that we do early on create a ripple effect to the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I, I mean, going through the process now of raising human beings, I don't expect, well, I don't know how much you remember at five. My eight-year-old maybe is starting to have long-term memories. I, yeah. Like some flashes and stuff here yeah, and there. Yeah, I agree. But we're, we're laying that foundation because like you were saying, like you don't know how your parents were or how they treated you. I don't but remember. The, but yeah. those but those things matter long-term. Oh, yeah. Of course. It's like, uh, I don't know. A savings account or, or some type of investment. <laughs> Hope you're investing correctly. Yeah. Um, for you, like, you can be, and I don't want to speak for you, under um, a certain amount of pressure to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. Is that self-driven? Or is that come, I don't know if it's like an agent thing or a just a pressure from the industry. I don't have an agent. Never had one. Don't have a manager. Never had one. I find that the pressure is self-imposed from when I get caught up in the comparison game. And what I mean by that is it started to arrive by the way of like Biggest Loser was a blast because it completely separated me from any other random Instagram pseudo trainer. And I've said it before. I said it to you right before we started recording that, you know, there's a lot of content out there. And if seeing a a girl post a butt picture that gets a lot of likes and whether, you know, whoever's following her for whatever reason, if one person sees that butt post and is like, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to go on walks after work. I got to get my shit together. I love it. Like there's room for everyone to contribute. There are so many people and there's so much that gets in the way of these connection points. So for me, if that's that person's connection point that day, that's fine. I'm not going to post butt selfies. Um, well, I've posted. I kind of posted one once. Kind of posted. It was just my backside. How do you do a butt selfie? I don't know. I've never done it. It's like a over over the no the mirror. I I think honestly, somebody takes the. It's a, it's like on a timer. There are well, no. There's also the laying at the beach on your tummy yeah. over the shoulder. Sure. So. Oh, that's a good yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's all, I think if your butt's in the photo and you're selfieing, it's a butt selfie. If it's the it's, main, it's called a belfie, technically. Belfie. Oh, yeah, God. I know. Hang in there, Scott. You're getting. I can't. Old. I'm staying inside. I uh, stay. Yeah, house cat. <laughs> stay inside. So, um, but what I started to do, especially when Loser came off the air, 
I started to kind of panic because I, I, I'm not like, I, I have, I mean, I've never bought a follower. I've never paid for engagement. Who's there are real and love me. And the connection is, is I, I love what I'm doing with my, my, my platforms. And I've made an effort to be a greater resource, especially during COVID, but you start to compare and, and it's not so much, oh, they're doing this. I need to do more. It's more like, I can't believe people are liking that. How is that? Like, it's not even a real thing. And I, and I get angered and jealous over the attention that's being given to people that really are not driving accessible, real content to people that will make an actual difference for them. And so I, I, you know, and that's where it gets muddled. And I'm like, Jen, stay, stay in your lane, keep your eyes on your paper, trust your instincts, your talent, your hard work. If I spend time looking to my right and what she's doing or what so-and-so is doing or who they picked for the new biggest loser and all this stuff, I dilute my ability to be very powerful and very clear on my way forward. Yep. Compa and, comparing yourself to others is a commitment to suffering. Yeah. Well, I've suffered a lot then. I mean, I didn't realize how much I was doing it until like it's, it's an AA term when the pain is great enough, right? I work with a lot of alcoholics. I am OA, you know, overeaters anonymous and you get to a point and that's what on us affects change when you can't stay there anymore. And I'm just like, I can't stay here anymore. I'm, I, I'm just, I wake up every day unhappy because it's like, I'll never be able to do enough by the standards of someone else because that's not who I am. There's, there's a, Oh God, I don't want to mess it up. There's a great line in Avengers. The it's Infinity War, and uh, Thor goes back and sees his mom. Right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. It's got to be it. And it was basically about like he's like I've never been, I'm never gonna be like everybody else. I'm never gonna be good at being anybody else. She's like, because you were born to be who you are. It was kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a great line. And it's just like, I keep trying to, I kept past tense. And he's I, comparing himself to his father. Yep. And it's like, cause that's, that's of course she, she goes, everyone fails at trying to be something that they're not. And I was like, oh man, thank you. Um, Marvel <laughs> for yeah. that bit of wisdom. Thank you, Renee Russo. So it really hit me, and I'm like, it's not about being more or less, or you know, separating myself. If you know me, you know me, and that's enough. And it doesn't matter what TV shows I'm on, or if I never publish another book. It changed it. Like I can, I'm only going to succeed at being me, and that I've got a great handle on, and that's where I'm putting my energy. I also think, and again, I. I'm not necessarily studying, you know, peers or people comparable in your working class, but I don't know, maybe what sets you differently, one, is you've obviously shown a high level of vulnerability with some of the photos that you've shared. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I think the first one, was it 2016 when you sat down and did oh. the... And showed, um, you know, the, it was a you sitting down, showing like belly rolls and stuff from a certain angle, and then standing up and doing the glamour shot. Yeah, it was. I was at a photo shoot and it's big, big project, and I was sitting down and I had we had weird pin curls on my hair, so I took like a funny picture of my hair and like my face at an angle to be, to send to my best friend, and in the photo, I I in the actually in the in the selfie mode, I saw my belly. 
and I just was relaxed and it was hanging and it was kind of spilling over into the pants and I was like, oh, and I started to spiral at the shoot. I started crying and I was like, oh my God, I'm, you know, you're like, I can't believe this and, and I've looked this bad. And then I was like, hold on. And I stood up and I remember when like the, um, hair and makeup left the room and I got a chance to kind of like be in on my own. And I, I made myself take a picture to see what I looked like in the mirror. Cause I couldn't like, even me just looking in the mirror, I couldn't see that I wasn't fat, even though I know I'm not fat. It's a weird psychologist. So I look in the picture and I'm like, Oh, yep. And it was just, yeah. It, what made you decide to share that? I just, I feel like if I feel that way, I know other people do. I'm as, I am, I am, I'm the human condition to a T. So I know what I'm feeling. Everybody else's. I know it. And there's a lot of power in that because I feel that we, that we put out, we have these like, I hate the word expectation versus appreciation. But let's just say you have these images of what people are supposed to be again, or mm-hmm. even like, you know, Jen Weeders from American Gladiator, Biggest Loser Trainer, Fitness Expert, is supposed to look a certain way. However, that's supposed to certain way is not necessarily attainable. And even if it's attainable, you can't hold it. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know, like trying to hold water in your hand. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It might be there for a split second, but then it's gone. But the the thing is that's universal. And again, knowing that everyone's struggling is a, is the human factor. Like no matter what, you're still just a girl from Illinois mm-hmm. and you still have the same struggles and the same things as everybody else. Mm-hmm. So being that type of relatable person is, to me, way more empowering and cooler than only sharing the perfect angled and the perfect airbrush shots and everything. Well, I think that's where, I think that might get likes and that might get more followers than I have. But what I see is that's where the disconnect happens. The moment you put yourself above your followers or above your audience or above who you hope to coach, you've lost it, in my opinion. You know, Gunnar always says effort is sexy. It's like, I care about working hard for people I want to serve happily. I want to do that. I want to be on the same level. And I think that I'm such an effective coach because, and what people know I'm telling them the truth and they see it in my face and they hear it in my voice and they see it in the way I look at them. And when I say like, I know this is hard and I believe what you can do or whatever the conversation goes it's not in and out. They know it because I'm telling them the truth. And that's the thing. When you start to separate yourself, you don't know if what you're saying is real anymore because you've gotten too disconnected from who you're trying to heal. That's yep. it. The way I coach is all user generated. What's going on? I, I take that and I'm able to share. And sometimes the user is me. I'm sharing what I'm going through. What are you currently struggling with? What am I currently struggling with? Besides uh, how to come up with a Tinder account. I mean, it's funny that you said that because I was going to say, you know, my life's in a good spot, but I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in a relationship. I'm interested in a companion, a partner, someone that pushes me in conversation um, and I've got amazing people in my life, but um, I'm, I'm interested in that. So that's why struggling, 
I, I think it's a struggle to find someone that understands my capacity and my mm. headspace, even though, you know, you've done it naturally from the start and I've got my little, I've got my, um, I've got people like you along the way that have just gotten it right away and understand me. So it reminds me that like, I'm okay. And, um, not just okay, that I'm great. Like I'm not, I, I speak, I sound like I'm speaking Chinese to most people, but you speak Chinese too in this spiritual language. And not a lot of men that I've come across fully understand. And it bums me out to have not found him yet. Yeah, well, not that I'm looking for a man. <laughs> but if you were. But no, but I don't know. I'm not actively seeking that, those people. But when I find them, I like try and hang on to them. Mm-hmm. And if you have like a couple of people like that, then you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And and, I, and this is why I feel almost selfish saying like this is what I want to go because my life, I have beautiful people in my life. I don't have one or two of those. I've got over 10. I have been fortunate enough to just go through these different experiences. I've, I've, you know, from Chicago, out of state at Kansas for college, LA, back to Denver. I mean, I, and I, I am surrounded by really magnificent people and people that do get it. So it's like, I almost feel selfish saying, can I have another one? Right. Yeah. But remember like even asking, reaching out to help and having those conversations also helps that person. Because now you're giving that person an opportunity to provide a service for other people. Yeah. Yes. But I feel like I've already, I mean, I've got a stacked front row of amazing people in my life. Um, and, you know, it's it's great. It's by, it's like my, my, my best friend, I've known her since college. Like her, her husband and I are very close now. My best friend from when I was sixth grade. His wife is extremely close to me now. Like you, by marriage, I get I get double. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's been really fun. But at some point, I I'd like to build my own homestead. Yep, I get it. All right, I'm gonna rapid fire some some small questions. Okay. And they don't, no particular order, because uh, I know you're very good at movies. What are your favorite movies? Just oh. name some. Okay, well, Lord of the Rings, I could have watched over and over forever. Um, trilogies again, the original four, five, and six of Star Wars. Un- unbearably good. Um, I love stuff like Constantine. Great old um, mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves movie. That's a movie. really good movie. Yeah, it's excellent. It's it's f- fabulous content. And I know and, and, and Keanu gets like dinged a little bit because he has dark hair and in the comics he's... Constantine is kind of blonde. It doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter because it's an awesome movie. It's gorgeous. Um, the scene where he goes like the, the <clears throat> and the arms yes, spread yes, apart. Yes, 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 yes. Everything. Even like how he's upset when he's rolling up his sleeves. Oh my God. Yep. It's great. Rachel mm-hmm. Weiss is a great job. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, Gavin um, Rothsdale's in there. Yep. I mean, as a, if you're as a Bush a, fan. As a demon. As a demon. Yeah. And actually, my fun fact, my dear friend, Tanawai Reed, Toa, was my, yes. he was on um, American Gladiators with me. Um, but he happens to be the stunt double for The Rock. And so when he's not doing, you know, movies for The Rock, he's doing all these other little, you know, parts. He's in one of the Marvel movies. He's doing, you know, TV shows. And he's the bouncer in Constantine when they hold up the card and Keanu Reeves punches him. Do you mm, remember what I'm talking yes, about? That's a ton yeah. of why. So it's great. Yeah, he was really mad. And he was going to see... Uh, 
Midnight. Yes. <laughs> it's a great movie. Yep. Yeah, no, so I like all that stuff. I, I like, I mean, I, I tend to like the mystical, magical a lot. Have you seen all the Marvel movies? Of course. That I mean, I, I, got, I went down a bad rabbit hole. I went through, um, during COVID, I, went, I started from the beginning, started Iron Man 1, and just went through them all. And then at the end of that, started to look at YouTube videos of the cast and like bloopers. And I was like, you got to get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, obviously, the, I'm assuming you do the DC movies as well. I'm not as interested. Sorry. Have you seen Joker? Mm-hmm. I had a hard time with it because, I mean, I wanted to leave the theater a few times. I think from a movie's perspective, I hated that they waited two hours before you got to see the Joker, which was just, I thought, poor planning. Um, but I think that it was more difficult to see how people treat people. That was what the yeah. movie was about. It wasn't about the villain. It was how the villain is made. And that made me sad. And I had a hard time with that movie. Braveheart or Gladiator? Braveheart always. That was oh, a soft what toss. What are you talking about? That was a soft toss. Uh, John Wick. Or the Matrix. I still go Matrix. What do you think Matrix Four is going to be about? There's another one. Yeah, you didn't know they're starting to film Matrix Four can along just, with John Wick. Can 4. we just have a conversation around when's enough enough? Fast and the Furious Eleven, right? The um, not Eleven. They're like on Seven though. Yeah. Right. Well, they're on the, the Hobbs one. They're on the mm -hmm. offshoot. Um, you're looking at number four for Wick. Mission Impossible. I think he's doing five and six right now, or six and seven. Those movies are good, though. Oh, okay. Come on. What? Okay. How about this? What of the remakes? What movies are you happy that they haven't remade? Easy two for me. Never Ending Story and Goonies. Oh, don't give them any ideas. Or ET. Leave ET alone. They'll never redo those. They'll never redo those. Um, I hope they never redo Willow. Oh my God. Is that the most underrated movie of all time? Do you know it's a Steven Spielberg film and Ron Howard directed it? Yeah. Just so, just so you know. Out of the way. Kaya, we can't keep the baby. Kaya. <laughs> Kaya. By the way, he's doing the running impression of Willow right now. <laughs> Willow. I need water, Peck. Um, Mad Martigan? I mean, I'm in love with Val Kilmer. That's the guy. But I will okay. tell you. I mean, Iceman when, when Ice I, or Mad Martigan? Huh? Iceman? Oh, no, no, no. Ew. Ugh. <laughs> Val Kilmer in Top Gun? Gross. He's a jerk. He's not that cute. Man, Mardigan, yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, the scene in the beginning when he has to pick the ring, the magic finger, mm -hmm. rather, I mean, I use that in speeches. <laughs> I love that movie. Do you know yeah. how many, how... And it's kid-friendly. Little scary with the trolls. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Even though, well... Sorsha? She was so hot. So hot. What did she do after that? I don't know. But yeah, but I hope they don't remake that. That was a big one for me. The um, you know, I stole the brownies. Oh. I stole the daikini baby. Kevin, uh, Kevin pa uh, Pollock. Kevin. He, uh, yeah. Guy from whoever. Yeah. Did it? And they fall in beer cans. Yeah. <laughs> do you know? Just the red. I feel like you finally have like itched a sc uh, a scratch and itch that I had for years. Because on the Wadcast, I would refer to that movie all the time, and Armin had never seen it. Oh, I would have. And I used to always. No wonder it broke up. No wonder you guys don't work together anymore. But listen, but listen, got to the point where it was so bad that one of the listeners sent him a VHS tape of Willow. Oh, I have a VHS tape. I own, I, mean, I have the VHS, and I have it on my Apple TV. 
And to this day, he still has not watched it. Well, then Armin's just, again, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. We're bringing it right back to where we started. All right. Well, after everything that you said on this episode, I am most proud of the Willow references. And it only took us this long to get there. I know. Um, obviously, if you're listening to the show, I'm sure you follow Jen Wiederstrom. You have books out, mm-hmm. and you're currently working on another mm-hmm. one. I'm very hopeful for that next book, too, by the way. Thank you. From what you've told me, it already sounds awesome. Thank you. I'm still pregnant with it. It's not wanting to come out yet. I think I'm still brewing. Still marinating? Mm. It's. I think it's going to be a process. The book is a... Is is going to be is about a process of um, it's a self help process. It's excavation, and I think it essentially once I get once I'm able to come through it, I'll be able to share it and teach it to the world. But I'm still in it. Yep. And that clicky person in the background, my buddy Paul. Make sure to follow him at D R O Dro, Doctor O, as I call him. God, you had an early Instagram account, didn't At you? Drew. Drew. He's gotten some major offers from like famous, famous folks trying to trying to buy his Instagram handle. I mean, how much are we talking? True or false? Have you got an offer for like forty or fifty grand? Ballpark. Ballpark. <laughs> I would start getting other ones in case you want to make the switch. I mean, okay, yeah. And you have, have you gone through any of the fake account thing and people like making fake They do it a lot. What's been actually scary for me is they'll start to reach out to people and they'll write them on my behalf and people will write me and say, hey, this person is doing this. I want to tell you. I'm like, please just report them. Thanks for telling me. Thanks for having my back. Or they'll do things where people will see who I'm tagged with, who I take pictures with or I, you know, tag in my stories and then they'll find people's cell phones and write them on my behalf too. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, uh, you get like weird DMs too? Oh, yeah. Any quick stories about those? I can show you a couple. I mean, I get asked for dirty underwear. I get asked how much my weekly Wait, f- fee would be. Quote, no sex, just need company. Okay. Um. Oh, what's, yeah. What's, oh, yeah. Are they offering money for these? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. Trying to think, I had another really good one. I sent my friend. I'm looking it up. Um, okay, I have a question. This was October 18th. Seven thousand to kick a guy in the balls. April 11th, so the next year. Ten thousand dollars to kick a guy in the balls. A serious offer. May 17th. Did you get my offer? Ten thousand. And then again two days ago. Ten thousand is a ser- is my serious offer. I've gotten this one. Can I make love to you for fifty thousand cash? And there's a photo. That was a that was an email. That was a great one, and then my friend, of course, said, "I feel like there should be a photo of the person, though, right?" I know. Well, it's Jamie B. I mean, I have his email. My friend's like, "Maybe you should count it first. Jen, would you ever consider selling pictures of your feet? I know it's an odd request, and believe me, I had to work up quite a amount of courage to ask you. But I hope you don't judge me. Anyway, have a good day and safe, safe. He cares about my well-being, right? Wants me safe during COVID. So Just wants photos of my feet. You're not judging. You're sharing compassion. My name is William, 56 years old. I want you to be my sugar baby, and I will spoil you with $700 weekly allowance. Sucks doesn't matter at all to me. I need someone to share ideas with and make me happy. I'll be waiting to hear back from you. I mean, he lowballed you, but okay. 
Seven hundred a week. I know. That's what I'm saying. So I, basically, I have a texter with some of my best friends, and I just text them like, "Hey, this offer need- looks promising. What do you think?" You know. I feel like I should be part of that thread. I'm. Hey, you're on. You're, I'm happy to do this. Feet and underwear of like, um, yeah. you know, females that I've spoken to or a thing. And uh, who's another one? Um, Obi Oberst, the strong man. He's mm-hmm. gotten some. Because he's like he's oh. like six eight four hundred pounds and he's got some crazy offers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People are weird, man, and people are spending a lot of times by themselves. Yeah. So if you want to, any offers, if you want to like on <laughs> up those offers or anything, make sure you slide into Jen's DMs <laughs> at Jen Wiederstrom. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. God. Um, you also have Weeder Strong is your website. Yep. Yep. Um, I just thought it was a nice place to hold everything. If you guys want programming, if you want to know about my app, if you want to know about my challenges, if you want to know, you want my weekly emails, I send an email every week. Just some educa- education, information, support. Just going out, leaderstrong.com. Yeah. And one, one thing we didn't go on, but I'll finish with this like uh, last little fact mm-hmm. is, I don't think I've talked about it on the show, but five years ago, uh, myself, you and Julian Pinot from StrongFit mm-hmm. were forming together to start our own podcast yeah. at the time called Discovering Strength. Mm-hmm. We had a logo and, and everything. Yeah. It was almost gonna it was almost there, but like with the, you know, Julian doing the whole I'm gonna leave the country soon and yeah. and you traveling around, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. However, it would have been awesome. Would have been awesome. Yeah. And Paul over here shaking his head because he spent a lot of time making a logo and designing. We're like, um, could you make the lines more narrow? Yeah. You're like, God. Yeah. Well, thank you for finally coming on. Thank you for having me. You know, nothing but love and respect and gratitude for you. Same. And for the listeners, you can again follow Jen at Jen Wiedersham. I'm at Scott McGee. Mm-hmm. And the show is at the Sisu Way. And again, the website, thecisuway.com. Still have posters and shirts and uh, frame photos and stuff on there. So if you're interested, go check it out. Thank you for listening. And remember, health is wealth. Vulnerability is strength. Strength is a choice. You are the master of your fate. You are the captain of your soul. So get up strong, help others get up strong, and be unconquerable. I'm Scott McGee, and this is The Zisu Way.